You're listening to MND Matters, a podcast from the MND Association. Welcome to MND Matters, brought to you by the MND Association, sponsored by Toyota GB and Toyota Financial Services. I'm Steph from the care team, and today we're going to talk about traveling with MND. I'm joined by Ken Blackburn, who's living with MND, and he has a vlog on YouTube called Life After Wheels about his travels in his all-terrain wheelchair. I'm also joined by Antonia Lee Bapti, the Managing Director of Ewan's Guide, the Disabled Access Review Site. Ken, can you tell us a bit more about when you were diagnosed with MND and how it affects you? Um, right. Hi, I'm Ken. I'm now 64 years of age, but still feel like I'm in my 30s. Until I try to do anything, and then I feel about 90. I was diagnosed with PLS, a rare form of MND, in October 2020, after five years of slowly worsening symptoms. The first sign was having speech problems. They get first, but gradually becoming a real issue. I worked as a taxi driver, but in the end I couldn't use the radio or telephone, and speaking to passengers was difficult. I left my job in 2019 after 23 years. I now have telephobia, which causes me anxiety when my phone rings, so I won't answer it. After many appointments with my GP, he finally referred me to a neurologist for investigations. This in itself led to three years of appointments and tests, all of which proved to be inconclusive. I saw three different neurologists in that time. In the meantime, one day I was out for a walk with my wife. I turned around and fell. I couldn't understand why. I noticed my legs were tiring quicker. I used to go running, but as time went by I got noticeably slower. Then I started to have falls, in and around the house. My current situation is this. I can still just about talk to people face to face, but I use a text-to-speech app for my vlog videos, and for speaking to you today. I can't walk without holding onto something, even indoors, where I rely on a rollator to get around. When I'm out and about I use my all-terrain power chair. I feel lucky to still have the use of my arms and don't have any real issues around eating and breathing, yet. There's one thing that's really annoying. Any sudden loud noise makes me jump. I've lost count of the number of cups of coffee I've ended up wearing while watching TV. I don't feel like things have declined for quite a while and I put that down to my positive attitude and determination. Long may it last. Thank you, Ken. Thank you so much for sharing. And yeah, you definitely that positive attitude's coming across. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Fabulous. And yeah, it's it's really good to hear about um, you know, you getting out in your old train wheelchair. And I know Antonio, um, tell us a bit more about you and Skies and, and how that works and how it may support someone like Ken who's living with MND. Absolutely. So Ewan's Guide is the award-winning disabled access charity. We're best known for our disabled access review website, which is ewansguide.com. People often compare this to a TripAdvisor or a Trustpilot, but concentrating on disabled access. We also make tens of thousands of accessible toilets safer and run the UK's largest and longest running access survey. So today I'm going to be focusing on the website and how you can find and share disabled access information. Before I do, I want to give you a little background about Ewan, if that was okay, um, who is the founder and who had the idea for the website. So Ewan's based here in Edinburgh. 
He loves watching live sport, going to gigs, socialising with pals, including the odd dram of whiskey. And he became a wheelchair user, then a power chair user due to motor neuron disease and was constantly frustrated at not being able to find reliable disabled access information before he went to new places. And there's two memorable examples. Um, the first, he got invited to um, an outdoor music festival and he was really pretty nervous at going, thinking mud, wheelchair wheels, this is going to be a disaster. But actually, he had a fantastic time and really wanted to tell other people about it. And then later that month, he got invited to a concert in Glasgow and he had tickets for an accessible seating area. Um, and then when he got there, they offered to carry him and his power chair upstairs. So when he said, no, thank you, they actually offered, they actually paid him to go away. And both of these he'd really like to have known about in advance because it would have taken anxiety out of the situation or maybe he would have you know, decided not to go. Um, so he came up with the idea of Ewan's guide as he wanted to share his experiences and also learn from other people. And fast forward to the present day, Ewan's Guide, the website, is going to be 10 next year. And Ewan's a pretty interesting chap anyway, and this is not the first great idea he's had. Some of the other people listening to this might know him because he's also set up the Ewan MacDonald Centre for Motor Neuron Disease Research in conjunction with the University of Edinburgh. And he's also came up with the idea for Speak Unique, which is voice banking solution for different speech needs. But back to the website. Ewan's Guide is very much designed as a positive place to find disabled access information written by disabled people, friends, families and carers. And we mainly feature UK content, but we love it when reviewers go on holiday and they send in reviews from their travels abroad too. Fabulous, thank you. Sounds like you, it definitely does quite a lot, which is amazing. Ken, how has M&D made getting out and about more difficult for you? Coinciding with the first pandemic lockdown, I found my mobility suffered a great deal. Beforehand, I could walk a reasonable distance with my rollator for support. I bought an off-road one which allowed me to go on rougher ground than a standard one. I could manage about a kilometre at that time, albeit very slowly. Because we didn't go anywhere for a long time, I found that the distance I could manage dropped off badly. For that reason, other than visiting other people's houses, we didn't really go anywhere. My pre-MND plans to do landscape photography in retirement had been shattered. The thought of being in a wheelchair after leading such an active life was equally depressing. Eventually I started looking at options and found there was a confusing array of wheelchairs. I discovered the all-terrain models and was amazed at where they could take me. Maybe I could still enjoy an outdoor life. After a lot of soul searching with the support of my wife, we decided I should get one. They are very expensive, and in addition to that, we had to get a new vehicle to carry it. Luckily, I can still drive, so we needed an internal transfer vehicle so that I can go out independently, since my wife still works full time. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. I'm glad you're managing to get out now and yeah. and enjoying some of that outside world mm. that you like, you know, being in the outdoors. Yeah. There's nothing quite like it, when the weather's no. kind to us anyway. Oh, yeah. 
And Antonia, what are some of the access needs disabled people have and, and what can venues do to be more accessible? Obviously, Ken's talking about getting out into the, the outdoors, but obviously that still encompasses some venues that you may need to go within that travel as well. Or, you know, things like, you know, accessible toilets and so on. So, yeah, what what can venues do to be more accessible? That's a big question. Um, so first of all, I suppose it's important to say that everybody's needs are different. Everybody's requirements are different. That's why people sharing their own experiences is so valuable. So our users tell us that the most important things to them are accessible loos, accessible parking, general access in terms of getting in and getting around. Um, and then most importantly, staff. So we regularly get told that you can have the most accessible venue but if staff don't know how to use the platform lift or they don't know where the ramp is kept and how to deploy it, then it can all fall apart. But also that venues that maybe are not the most accessible, if they have fantastic staff, they can overcome a lot of their access challenges. Um, so those are the things really that we ask reviewers to comment on. And I guess the beauty of you and Sky is that you can talk about what's important to you. We also find that pictures do really tell a thousand words. So particularly, I suppose, if it comes to, um, for example, toilets or bathrooms. So with a photo, you can see the size and the layout of an accessible loo. You can see what side the transfer space is. You can, and then for a wet room, you can see some of the detail and get an idea whether it's going to be suitable for you. And it's really interesting, Ken, what you were saying about COVID. So we find a lot of our users telling us that things have changed um, since the start of the pandemic and then haven't changed back. So, for example, routes in and around venues, you know, where you used to be able to go in and out of any door. Now, maybe one door is the entrance, one door is the exit, and maybe both of them are not accessible. So things like that have changed. Signage has changed. And, um, and it's also really interesting to hear you talking about the outside as well. We've had loads more reviews of outdoor places since the start of COVID. And I think, again, um, people sometimes think that UN's Guide is just about the fun stuff, so hotel, hotels, bars, restaurants. But it's also really important to say that people can review anywhere, everyday essentials such as post offices, supermarkets, um, outdoor parks, outdoor spaces. Um, we've even had somebody review the um, the crossing at, at Abbey Road where the Beatles famously walked across. So and anywhere where you can put a pin in the map. Another thing that our users tell us is that they want to find information when they're out and about. So finding so that enables people to be more spontaneous. So if you're going to be in if we were going to visit you in York, Ken, um, you know, we could have a look at nearby cafes, restaurants, things to do. Um, and yeah, we know that over 60% of our users use UNSKYDE on a smartphone. So that shows that people are using it for planning before they go, but also really in the moment. When people review, if they wish, they can talk about what equipment they use. So, for example, a wheelchair user or a power chair user can, can say that if they wish. And it's optional, but we regularly get told that just one review from somebody with similar access requirements can give somebody the confidence to visit somewhere new. And we also recognise the importance of providing the information in an accessible format in the first place. So we know that a lot of our users use assistive technology. Ewan, for example, uses a Toby eye gaze. So there's some 
features that are built in for users of assistive technology and you in particular on the, when we were putting together the website for the first time, he said that he found the controls on Google Maps very inaccessible because they were so small. So, for example, we've got larger map buttons to help navigate around a map. Um, and one of the things that's on our priority list is looking at different ways to review. And Ken, I am definitely going to be in touch with you after this to talk about video reviewing. I suppose in terms of now moving on to the venue side of it, we find it's really important that venues talk about what they have got and also what they haven't got. So that's the, that's the most important thing. And um, the next is to listen to your visitors, customers or guests. So every review that's submitted to Ewan's Guide, we pass on to the venue. So it's a way for people to um, submit their feedback to venues as well. And we find that venues do make changes. So we've had venues that have changed signage. We've had venues that have stopped using their accessible loo to store 252 toilet rolls in it, or Henry the Hoover. Um, we've had all sorts of venues that have told us that they've made changes based on feedback from UN Guide users, which is fantastic. Brilliant. And yeah, Antonia, thank you for explaining some of the you know the the feedback that you get about venues or places that people go and the the experiences that they have and things that can obviously positive ones or things that can be made better but obviously i imagine ken that when you do decide to take a trip somewhere there's a lot of preparation involved and can you talk yes. us through a bit of what that planning involves yeah i try to do as much homework on where i'm going as possible particularly parking having a ramp means i have to be careful where i park I'm always worried in case someone blocks me in, despite the stickers asking for space. For my vlog outings, pre-planning is essential. I don't want to drive anywhere only to find out that it isn't accessible. I normally look for information online. There is some really useful stuff on the internet, particularly in places like national parks where a lot of work has been done to allow wheelchair access. For instance, the Miles Without Styles initiative, which is invaluable. And I've now been introduced to Ewan's guide, so using the reviews to see what other people have experienced is great. I'll be adding my own reviews for sure. I use Ordnance Survey Maps on my phone to see exactly where I am and what three words is a real lifesaver, especially if you have to tell anyone where you are. Other than that, it's the normal stuff to ensure you're protected from the weather, etc. If I'm going on my own, I take drinks and food. I still have difficulty accessing cafes, particularly where self-service is involved, which most seem to be these days. It's also rare to find one which has enough room to manoeuvre a power chair without someone with you to help. Yeah. Thank you, Ken. And I'm, yeah, I'm sure that there'll be lots of similar reviews on Ewan's Guide from, from places as well, but hopefully you'll find some more positive reviews for places that maybe you haven't ventured to yet and be able to go to yeah. them. Oh, wow. Mm. And obviously there's the other the other side of things in terms of like the equipment that you may need, which you touched upon there. But I know you recently received a support grant from the MND Association. So can you tell us a bit more about how that's helped you to continue to get out and about? Yeah. Um... I was so grateful to the MND Association for giving me a support grant. It was used to help fund the advance lease payment for my new vehicle. I approached a charity run by my previous employers, and they approached the MNDA on my behalf, as well as providing me with additional financial help. I will always be truly grateful. 
I decided to start my life after Wheels vlog as a way to hopefully show others in my position that living an active outdoor life doesn't end just because you are confined to a wheelchair. I am also using it to raise awareness of MND and hopefully in turn raise funds for the association. Thank you, Ken. We're really grateful for your support. And I'm sure you'll have lots of followers after hearing this podcast and lots of, you know, lots of people will get their own support from seeing yeah. what you've shared on there as well. And, you know, you've you've expressed that you're really grateful for the grant. And, and that's obviously what we're there for. We're glad to be able to help in that way. But in terms of what it means to you to be able to continue to go on these days out, can you can you let us know what it means to you to be able to continue to do that? Mm. Before having MND, I loved being outdoors, going for long country walks. I used to take my camera and follow my passion for landscape photography. I soon realized that I wasn't going to be able to carry on. In April 2019, Kay and I did our last big walk together, climbing Goat Fell on the Isle of Arran. It was tough. After my diagnosis, although I didn't admit it, my mental health suffered. I often woke up in the middle of the night in a state of panic. I needed to get out and breathe fresh air. Of course, lockdown didn't help. Once I had my power chair and vehicle, things started to change. I started looking to the future, making plans for outings. My mental health became much better, and although I rarely sleep well, I don't suffer panic attacks like I did before. I've been to quite a lot of the places I love. The coast, Rosedale in the North York Moors, and only this weekend we visited Brimham Rocks, an interesting area owned by the National Trust. With the right equipment I've really found a renewed zest for life. I never really thought about how going out can provide such a boost to well-being. As long as I'm physically able, I'll be getting out and making my short videos. I really do hope that other sufferers of this awful disease can find a way to enjoy getting mobile again and live life to the full. Thank you, Ken. Thank you for being so open and, and sharing. Mm, yeah. yeah. Mm. And I'm really glad you're getting to enjoy some of your passions again by getting out there and enjoying the outside and, and exploring countryside and coast. And yeah, just it yeah. is a wonderful thing to do. So glad you're able to do that again. You've talked a bit about other people living with MND as well and hoping that your vlog inspires them to do the things that help with their well-being. But what sort of advice would you give to other people living with MND who are wanting to plan a trip themselves? Right. My only advice would be, whatever your individual needs may be, to check out the accessibility at your destination. Be it parking, toilets, hotel rooms, etc. I have found out just how many variables there can be. Beware the claims of accessibility, which can hide a multitude of differences. Be prepared to ask for details which are important to you as an individual. We are all different, so there is no such thing as one size fits all. If you don't have a suitable wheelchair for rougher ground, or don't have the vehicle to carry one, check out whether there is a mobility scooter available to borrow or hire. A lot of places now have such equipment. Booking is normally required, so check before you go. Above all, if at all possible, keep doing the things that give you pleasure. Never give up. Yeah. <clears throat> Thank you, Ken. Really inspirational as well and really good advice for people wanting to plan their own trips. And obviously now that you're aware of Ewan's Guide, then presumably that's somewhere that you take a look before you plan your next one. And I think there'll be lots of valuable information on there. In terms of people using that website, Antonia, um, 
do you have any tips for people living with MND when they're going on there? What sort of things they should be looking for, what they should be searching? Um, first of all, I'd just like to echo everything that Ken said um, about preparation and about finding as much information um, before you go as you can. We run a access survey every year. And I can't remember the exact percentage off the top of my head, but it's a, it's a you know a vast majority of people won't actually go somewhere unless they can find out access information in, in advance because they presume it's not accessible. Um, and there's another good stat about people not traveling to places when they don't know there's an accessible toilet there that's going to be suitable for them as well. They just won't go. So, so yeah, in terms of tips for people when using UN's guide website, um, as Ken said again, everybody's different, so everybody uses it slightly differently. But I chatted to Ewan about how he, in particular, uses Ewan's guide, and um, and he gave me the example of travelling to London for a sports fixture. And now Ewan loves his sport, loves his live music, loves socialising, loves the odd dram of whiskey. So he was talking about how um, before he bought tickets at this venue, he checked out what people had said about the venue where the accessible viewing area was and whether you could actually see the game and what was going on from there. He then looked for accommodation and we all know how rare accommodation is with hoist and a decent wet room. So once he'd found accommodation that was going to be suitable, he booked the tickets and um, he booked that accommodation. And then nearer the time of his trip, he started planning other activities. So on Ewan's guide, he found a theatre that had been reviewed by a Changing Places user. So he was confident that that would meet his needs. He also looked at reviews of pubs and restaurants that had been written by other power chair users and ended up booking somewhere after he'd read a review that said that somebody had visited a venue with three power chair users in their group and that um, they'd had a great time. So he figured that would work well. Um, after he visits, he then reviews it, the places that he thinks are great and sometimes asks his PA to do that too, because often they have slightly different ideas on the access and have different insights. When I was talking about this earlier, another colleague who's a power chair user wanted me to share that they went to Amsterdam based on the strength of a collection of reviews on Ewan's guide. So that's um, definitely one of our success stories. And, um, and he said to say if the reviewer was listening to say a big thank you. And I know there'll be some people listening today that may go on to have a look at Ewan's guide um, and may be disappointed that there's not enough content in their area. So hopefully I would say to people that are disappointed with the amount of content in the area, please go and review a couple of places. Tell people about a couple of your favourites. So if somebody comes to your area, they know a couple of great places that they can go. And we find that once somebody starts reviewing in their area, people tend to start submitting more content and it becomes a really rich source of knowledge. Um, I mean, Ewan's Guide really works best if people, if more people use it and more content is, um, is submitted, the more useful it becomes. Absolutely. That makes complete sense. I'm sure we'll have lots of listeners who are who are happy to contribute and share their experiences as well. We also spoke to some of our MND community and we asked some of their top tips for travel as well. Um, so hopefully they'll be adding those to you in Skyde. But we had um, Di who sent us a couple of links to websites where you can find toilets and accessible countryside locations. And we also um, had Ian who'd mentioned booking assistance ahead of a journey on public transport particularly. So I think what this shows is that 
preparation is absolutely key before going on a trip or a day out for somebody living with MND. And I know obviously Ken has echoed that in, in what you've been saying and Antonia, you've been saying exactly the same for people that contribute to UN's guide. But um, would you agree? Is there anything to anything that you'd want to add or or sort of suggest to people when they're planning a trip out? Anything you don't think that we've already covered that people may be wanting to know? Well, um, I'll toilets. Yeah, toilets, yeah. I'll just say that I try to look for changing places facilities because they provide much more room and tend to be laid out better. Sadly, most disabled toilets just don't have enough room for my power chair. And the layout is often bizarre. Changingplaces.org is a great site. Yeah, thank you, Ken. I know some of the MD community have, have also mentioned changing places, and I know that on Ewan's Guide, it, there's people that have reviewed changing places toilets. Yeah, I think that is definitely something that's really important to mention for people who are going and planning a trip. Fabulous. Antonia, did you have anything that you wanted to, to add? Um, I was just going to second the important or third the importance of toilets. Um, you know, as a team, our phones tend to be full of pictures of toilets. We snap pictures of good ones. We snap pictures of bad ones. Um, toilets can really, again, make or break somebody's visit. So if you if you have a venue, it might sound strange, but please just put a picture of your accessible loo up if you're talking about your accessible your access information. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And I think what you said about having the photo so people can really visualise and be able to see whether that is going to work from them for, for them before they travel somewhere. I think the photos, any photos of, of any accessible venues are, are useful so you can really visualise where you're going and whether it's going to work for, for your needs. So perfect. So, yeah, thank you both so much for, for sharing um, your experiences, um, you know, the information and for really just helping others to make plans when they want to travel i think with additional support and planning travel and going on holiday can still be made possible when you've when you're living with mnd and i think you've both shown that today and of course you can use the association support as well you can download our free getting around guide you can apply for a grant as ken did you can call the mnd connect helpline for guidance you can also check out Ken's vlogs for some more inspiration. Um, just search for Life After Wheels on YouTube. You can also check out sites like Ewan's Guide for access reviews of places around the UK. Just look for ewansguide.com. Thank you again, both of you, for coming to talk to us today and for being so open and for sharing so much um, to the M&D community who hopefully be planning their travels. Thank you from me. And thanks very much for having us too. And Ken, it's been fantastic to meet you and really looking forward to keeping in touch. Yeah, me too. Thank you both. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to MND Matters, a podcast from the MND Association. Find more information at mndassociation.org. If you've been affected by any of the issues raised in this episode, contact our helpline MND Connect on 0808 802 6262 or email mndconnect at mndassociation.org.